questions generally precede answers. Um, on occasion, we might meet someone who's happy to supply answers to questions that were never asked, but generally speaking, questions are followed by answers, or hopefully they are. Hopefully we find the answers to the questions we ask. And from an early age, we learn how to ask questions, don't we, of who, what, when, where, how. But, but what's one of the first um, questions we ask? Uh, often you'll hear a child say, why? But why? Why can't I eat a donut just before dinner? But why? Of course, we carry this question of why all throughout our life. And sometimes it's born from a place of just curiosity, intellectual curiosity or inquisitiveness. We just want to understand why things are the way that they are. But sometimes, sometimes this question of why is born from a deep place of grief, of pain, of suffering. Why am I going through this crisis? Why did I suffer that trauma? Why did this happen to me? Why did I lose this person I love? Uh, this question of why comes from a place of grief, of regret, of loss, of sadness at times. And it's this why that I want to look at. You see, over the last few weeks, for those of you that have been following, you'll know that we've just finished a series in the book of Proverbs, particularly looking at the theme of wisdom. Um, but for the next two weeks, uh, this week and next week, we're going to continue looking at the theme of wisdom, not from Proverbs. Today we're looking at Job 28, Job chapter 28. Last year we studied the book of Job, but we didn't look at chapter 28. And, the, and chapter 28 has something to say about where wisdom can be found, particularly in the context of suffering. And this is an important question for all of us. Where do we go? Where might we find wisdom in such times as this? Um, I'd like us to look at um, our, uh, the first part of our reading because I've broken this reading up into three parts. It's a long reading. And so I want you to listen in this first part. Listen to what humans are able to do, their ingenuity, their, their um, inventiveness, their resourcefulness. Um, they're able to discover hidden things. I want you to listen for what these hidden treasures are that they find that they discover. Please listen to the first part of our reading. The first part of our reading is taken from Job 28, verses 1 to 11. There is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Mortals put an end to the darkness. They search out the furthest recesses for ore in the blackest darkness. Far from human dwellings, they cut a shaft in places untouched by human feet. Far from other people, they dangle and sway. The earth from which food comes is transformed below as by fire. Lapis lazuli comes from its rocks and its dust contains nuggets of gold. No bird of prey knows this hidden path. No falcon's eye has seen it. 
proud beasts do not set foot on it, and no lion prowls there. People assault the flinty rock with their hands and lay bare the roots of the mountain. They tunnel through the rock. Their eyes see all its treasures. They search for the sources of the rivers and bring hidden things to light. So we hear from Job chapter 28 verses 1 to 11 that humans are able to discover and find hidden treasures in the earth, uh, precious metals and stones of silver and gold and iron and copper, lapis lazuli, all these hidden treasures in the earth humans seek out and they find. It says in verses 7 and 8, um, no bird of prey knows that hidden path, no falcon's eye has seen it, Proud beasts do not set foot on it, and no lion prowls there, but humans have found these hidden treasures. Other parts of creation haven't been able to find it, but humans have. Not only that, it also talks about this task being almost precarious, a little bit dangerous, a little bit difficult. In verse 4 it says, Far from human dwellings they cut the shaft, in places untouched by human feet. Far from other people they dangle and sway. Even though this task might be dangerous or difficult, still humans have been able to discover and search out these hidden treasures. It, it leads us to the question, uh, well, maybe humans can find wisdom, no matter how difficult it might be or no matter how hidden it is. And that's the question that's going to be posed in the next part of our reading. Where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? So I'd encourage you to listen to the next part of the reading and see whether humans can search out wisdom. They've been able to find hidden treasures. Can they find wisdom? Please listen to the next part of our reading. The second part of our reading is taken from Job 28 verses 12 to 22. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. The sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed out in silver. It cannot be bought with the gold of Ophir with precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Neither gold nor crystal can compare with it, nor can it be had for jewels of gold. Coral and jasper are not worth a mention. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. The tobacks of Kush cannot compare with it. It cannot be bought with pure gold. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds of the sky. Destruction and death say only a rumour of it has reached our ears. So if the first part of Job chapter 28 says that there are hidden treasures in the earth which humans have managed to discover and find. The start of the second part 
of chapter 28 in, in verse 12 begins with, but where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Almost makes us imagine that maybe humans can find wisdom. If they can find treasures hidden in the earth, maybe they can find wisdom. But basically, the rest of this part of the passage is a resounding no. No, it can't be found. It says in verses 13 and 14, it cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says it is not with me. The sea says it is not with me. Um, and, and to rub, rub it in further and make, make things worse, um, verses 15 to 19 are basically saying wisdom is priceless. It makes us desire it and want it. It's priceless, but we can't seem to have it. It's, it's, you know, it can't be compared with rubies or gold. It can't be bought. It's priceless. And then again, we come back to that uh, repeated phrase, that refrain in verse 20, where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? And just in case you missed what the passage was saying, it, it just says it again. Basically says in verses 21 and 22, it's hidden from the eyes of every living thing. It's concealed, even from the birds in the sky. So in the land of the living, it's concealed and hidden. But then the next part says destruction and death say, in verse 22, only a rumour of it has reached our ears. So in the land of the living, um, you, you can't find it. Um, and, in the, and beyond this life, um, only a rumour of it's heard, been heard. Like my uncle's wife's sister thinks that her friend's neighbour once mentioned something about wisdom. It, it's, it's like wisdom can't be attained or, or discovered. It's, it's out of reach. How then should we understand wisdom in this passage? In light of the fact that over the past few weeks we've been teaching that you should seek to be wise, that you should um, uh, seek out wisdom and, and that it is attainable that God has ordered things in a certain way and you should try to discover how God has ordered life and live according to that. Um, let me give you a bit of context to maybe try to understand what's being spoken of in this chapter. So this is um, in the book of Job. Um, if you haven't heard anything about Job, Job um, was a righteous, blameless man who feared God. Um, but he underwent great suffering. He lost all his wealth all his family, and um, suffered um, even from ill health. And then his friends come along to comfort. I say comfort in inverted commas because it wasn't much comfort at all. They came to comfort him uh, to make sense of what's happened. And, and they apply uh, almost a traditional and conventional kind of wisdom, the wisdom that is kind of cause-effect, um, that, that if you live in this way, then there's blessing in life. And if you live like that, then there's destruction and death. Um, and so they assume that Job must have sinned and that he ought to repent. Um, and, and Job denies that that's the reason why he's suffering, and he's actually right. Um, but Andrew spoke um, two weeks ago about um, teaching on the sayings of Agor um, from the book of Proverbs, which almost challenges some of that traditional wisdom. It says, well, actually, there are limits to our knowing of things and to our understanding of things, and that, that we ought to have a certain humility about us, um, and that it's almost as though knowing the limits to our wisdom is wisdom, <laughs> that it's wise to actually know there are limits to what we can know. Um, and so Andrew addressed that a little bit, and I think uh, the books of Job and the books of Ecclesiastes also challenge some of that conventional and traditional wisdom. It's not as though that's um, no longer valid, that kind of wisdom. It is. I think God has ordered 
the world in a certain way, but to imagine that we understand all things that might be going too far. And so yeah, also to, to further explain the context, this is Job chapter 28. So prior to this, we've had discussions between Job and his friends. And now we're about to move towards God actually addressing Job and speaking to him. And, and this passage almost gets us ready for something of how God might approach Job. And he might talk to Job about uh, the fact that there are limits to what Job can know and understand. Um, and so I think this passage, um, the way to understand what's being spoken about wisdom, it's almost like uh, wisdom having an absolute sense as though um, it's like understanding the purpose of all things. Uh, this is this is the wisdom that's in view here, and that that might be actually beyond us, that we might not be actually be able to understand all things from beginning to end. Um, and so remember that this is what Job's seeking. He's seeking to understand the meaning of his suffering, and maybe this is asking too much in this instance. But I'm particularly sympathetic to Job's why. Why, God, is this happening? Because I live with a why. Uh, for me, it revolves around identity and personhood. Why? Why am I like this and not like that? What about your why? What sort of why do you live with? What sort of why keeps coming up from you, for you from time to time? What sort of trauma or grief or loss? What about our present circumstances? How do we make sense of the health and economic crises we face presently? Um, and if, if we can't, if wisdom can't be found out in the midst of our suffering, where do we go? If our passage ended here, it would be bleak indeed. I encourage you to listen to the next part, the final part of chapter 28. The last part of our reading today is taken from Job 28, verses 23 to 28. God understands the way to wisdom, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth, and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. Commentators sometimes differ in um, who to attribute these words of uh, Job chapter 28 to. Is, is, is Job speaking? Is he the one discussing um, this theme of wisdom? Um, or, or is it more like the narrator, the one who's uh, sharing this story, the one who has compiled this story and put it together uh, and placed all of its parts um, um, where he wants. Um, and I, I tend to lean towards it being a narrator, someone who's preparing us for the, the speeches of Yahweh, the speeches of the Lord, that as the Lord speaks to Job, um, he points out um, the um, limits of human wisdom. 
and, and that God's wisdom is, is beyond our understanding, infinitely greater. Um, and so if I come back now to this question of where is wisdom to be found, and as we come to the end of 28, um, I think this is preparing us for what um, Yahweh, God himself, will say. Um, and so in verses 23 and 24, it says, God understands the way to wisdom, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under heaven. Um, God alone knows where wisdom is found, um, and God alone sees all from beginning to end. Um, there was, however, something uh, Job desired more than an answer to his why. Why, God? And, and it was this, he, he desired God himself. He desired an audience with God. He desired to be able to stand in the presence of God and be vindicated, to be heard, to be understood. And we know that he receives that. He receives God himself. Wisdom, ultimate wisdom, as spoken of in Job 28, resides in God. More specifically, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul teaches us that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. In Jesus. I'll come back um, to Jesus in just a moment, but let me just wrap up uh, Job 28 as we look at the last verse. It says, um, it says, it's almost like God now addresses the human race and it says, and he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. Um, uh, this theme of the fear of the Lord comes up a lot in the Old Testament, especially in the um, wisdom literature of um, Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes, the fear of the Lord. Um, its equivalent in the New Testament would be to trust in the Lord or to love the Lord um, and, and to turn from evil. This is to turn from all that is contrary to God's way. Uh, but, but this trust and this love of the Lord, uh, these are words of devotion and it implies a confidence in his goodness. Uh, we can't be devoted to someone if we're uncertain of their goodness towards us. Um, you can obey, you can um, uh, ha have some other form of relating, but, but, it, but, but not a trust and a love unless there's a confidence in, in the other person's goodness towards you. So wisdom is found in God and in our trust of his goodness towards us. And this is where I come back to Jesus. You see, oh, as much as we have confidence as we read the whole of the Old Testament and the, and the Bible, we see God's love. There's great reason to trust him. But in the person of Jesus, it's, it's like undeniable. How can we miss the goodness and love of God? You see, Jesus enters a space of not knowing. God, in the person of Jesus, enters a space of not knowing. The one who has ultimate wisdom. The one who knows all enters a space, enters our broken world, and, and like us, does not know. And this might sound like a strange thing to say, but there are two big instances um, uh, that, that come to mind. One was where Jesus tells his disciples after the resurrection, and as he's about to be uh, ascend to heaven, he says to them that he doesn't know when he'll return. Only the Father knows. Um, and this is a difficult concept to, to hold the, this idea that, that Jesus was fully human and fully divine 
And these two natures reside in the one person of Jesus. And they're not to be confused. It wasn't that uh, the humanity and divinity fused together. These two natures are distinct and yet reside together in the one person. It's as though Jesus was free uh, to, to, to live out of either of those natures. Um, uh, so, so, for instance, when I'm reading the Gospels, there are times when I sit there and go, that is so godlike. Jesus walks on water. Jesus brings people back from the dead. That is so godlike. Then there are other times when I, I'm, I'm reading the Gospels and I think, uh, that, that's so human, that, that Jesus is tired, that Jesus is hungry, that Jesus does not know. Um, the other big instance of where Jesus doesn't know is when he's hanging on the cross in agony and humiliation. And he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's almost as though he's crying out of his humanity. He's sharing and identifying with us that in our brokenness, in our suffering, uh, that, that we, we struggle to understand the why. It, it sounds like a question that Job himself might ask. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I may not understand uh, the created order from beginning to end, but I've met the creator. In Jesus Christ, I have seen the wisdom of God and it is good. While we may not have answers to all our questions, I believe God has given us sufficient evidence that his wisdom, especially seen in Jesus and the cross, is good and trustworthy. Wisdom is found in God and in our trust of his goodness towards us. So in wisdom, let us walk with God and entrust our lives into his wise hands. Amen.